Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. I'm Craig. And this is Tank. Yay, Tank's back. Welcome back, Tank. I'm finally back Woo-hoo. for one week. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll be gone for a while again. So you were telling us earlier that you're shipping out or planing out in 15 days, right? 15 days. Yes. So from the time of this being released, it will be 13 days. Ah, right. Good good catch there. Yeah. And so October 1st, for those who aren't watching on the day of release. <laughs> Perhaps it was two days ago. Watching? Watching with the ears. Or listening. I mean, whenever I listen to this, I'm just sitting there watching the timer. <laughs> I watch the album artwork. It's pretty. <laughs> it is pretty. Nice. It is pretty. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely we're definitely very excited. We got visas, we got plane tickets, we got an apartment. Nice. We got our Bibles. <laughs> I hope you had those. <laughs> Are you gonna top the class of missionary school? No. No, you there's might. a lot of other people here. <laughs> Are there? Is that even a concept? You don't top the class, do you? <laughs> I hope joke. not. Oh, okay. I was just wondering if Tank might do the valedictory speech or something. If no. so, I want to hear it. I want to hear a rendition I'm trying of it. to... I figure, you know, those who are least are the greatest, so I'm trying to fail everything. <laughs> I caught that take. <laughs> Tank's That's misapplying great. scripture to his study of missionary <laughs> training. <laughs> what are they teaching you at this training thing? So, we'll miss well, you for the next two weeks, but uh, we're really excited for you. Thanks. Yeah, I, I definitely miss being a regular. I look forward to the day where I'll be able to again. Yes, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully three weeks from soon. now. Yeah. Hopefully so. Awesome. That is great. But everything I say will be in Japanese. So. <laughs> we will have real-time translation. All right. So, I've got Konnichiwa and 1 to 10, like the numbers, and that's it. Perfect. That'll be my language. <laughs> I'm going to start looking looking into real-time translators. <laughs> Maybe I'll just count up to the the right letter and spell everything through numbers. Yeah, you could do that. I'll, it'll take us a long time to get past, hello, I'm Ben, Craig, and Tank, but anyway. <laughs> well, guys, uh, really exciting week for me. I launched a podcast. Cool. Yeah, I saw that. You did? Yeah. I didn't know if you still had Facebook or Twitter in Japan. I have Slack. Oh, not in Japan. okay. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. That was the joke. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, Ben, is it is it It Depends or IT Depends? It depends. Okay. Is it a play on words with IT? No. Oh, good. No, no, no. <laughs> now it is. No, but I guess I should. I probably should explain the it depends thing. My boss says that everybody who's in software engineering will get it immediately. Tank, do you get it? It depends. Because yeah. people say to you, can you do this? And you say it depends. Yes. Yeah. It's self-explanatory. There you go. That's right. Yeah. People are always asking, you know, I need a website. How much will it cost? How long will it take? When can you get it to me? And the answer is always it depends. Yeah. Like. What give us more information? What it depends on what you want exactly. So that's fair. I've been out of the software industry for a little while, so. Oh, true. Not for that long, tank. Come on. <laughs> Only for like now that you're in a couple Japan. months. <laughs> Just kidding. So what is it? About? So what's it? It's about software development. What yeah. Well. Um, yeah, it's actually like categorically different from this one. Um, like just very different, more topical. Um, and so we talk about, you know, software engineering, agency life, um, best business practices, stuff like that. We, the, there's four episodes out there right now. If you search in iTunes, uh, or your podcast app for it depends, you can find it. Um, and I guess I could put a link in the show notes if 
yeah, I mean, I guess I could do that. But uh, a couple of things we've done before are like how to do technical internships well, uh, how to do remote work well. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of stuff like that. We did a comparison of Rails and .NET, which was really fun for me. I wasn't on that one, but uh, it, it was really fun to listen to, having come from .NET and going into Rails. Uh, it's kind of weird because I'm not really like on this. I've been on one episode out of four so far, or out of seven so far, and uh, those other three aren't released yet. And uh, I'm more like producing it, which is really different and fun. So it's been a good week. Nice. Cool. So you've done seven in one week? No, we've been... Or it's been good because it was released this Yeah, week. we released four that we had recorded, and it, we've, I've got three more. Since they're more topical and not as time-bound as like tech news, we're able to record on various topics over time. And so, uh, yeah, we have several that we're uh, editing and a few that we're ready to release and uh, just waiting on sort of... It'll probably be like an every two weeks schedule kind of thing. So it's shorter than this one too. Anyway, so if uh, software development is your thing, or if you're interested in it, um, check it out. You might, it might be might be interesting to you. Well, we do have a bit of follow-up this week. Uh, first of all, I need to correct something that I said that was wrong in Tech You Should Use last week on Alfred, uh, and that is that the free version actually does let you customize searches. Um, you don't have to pay for that. And so I actually have used that feature uh, within the last week, and it is awesome. So the Google keyword that defaults to a Google search is now just G for me, which is awesome. And it saves me the time of typing out six letters. Wait, is that right? G-O-O-G-L-E. Yeah, six. Okay, great. So you can do that uh, now, and you can even put in your own custom uh, searches for URLs and things if you know the query string, which not everyone may know what that means, but whatever. Um, yeah, so do you guys have any follow-up from last week? Um, in the listener feedback channel in the Slack, someone... I don't know, actually, it might have been episode discussion. Anyway, in one of those channels, uh, someone asked the question, we, they said, you did all this talking about the new iPhone. I was quite surprised that you didn't talk about the lack of headphone jack. Um, so I just thought I'd do a really quick follow-up to say, good point, we didn't talk about that. It was probably the major technical thing to talk about that everyone was talking about. And maybe I think the reason we didn't talk about it is because everyone was already talking about it. Um, and so... I don't know. I don't know what everyone else's thoughts are on not having a headphone jack on the phone. To me, it seems a little bit annoying, but at the same time, with everything moving to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, um, I can un kind of understand the reason behind it. Doesn't mean I think it's a great idea, but it wouldn't stop me from getting the phone. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. So cool. now everyone can rage quit listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Tank is leaving. He's walking away right now. <laughs> And laughing really loud. <laughs> I was looking forward to the third point of follow-up, which we're now not doing because Derek's not here. That's a shame. Yes, yes. It'll have to be in three weeks. We had a listener request for something when we're all four back together again, and that just hasn't happened in a while. So uh, we will put it off a little bit longer. And uh, But you know what? When we get there, it's going to be awesome. And It'll I won't say it. what it is because <laughs> it hypes it up a little bit more, I think. What if What if two of the four of us clash on that, though? And like you can't have two of the same thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't going to hash that out either. Like, I think that would defeat the point. Well, yeah. Let's, we won't give it away. I'm just saying we might have to duke it out and see what happens. Tank, do you know what it is? You saw it, right? I do know what it is. Okay. Yes. All right. This is going to be fun. I hope you guys are thinking. I already feel like I, I kind of know, but I don't know. Yeah, I know. All right. Anyway. I'm pretty settled. I already know. <laughs> so, shall we do the news? We should.
And this is Tech You Should Know, where we bring you a few tech stories, uh, tech news stories from the past week that uh, we want to talk about. Since Derek's not here, I'm going to do it this week. First up, Tesla is updating autopilot to make more use of radar. Elon Musk has always been one to proclaim the superiority of LiDAR over radar, but the new update will mesh them together to create a safer autopilot, now that Tesla is confident that they can use radar in a way that will not result in false positives. For instance, if a tree is overhead, it's possible that a radar-driven system will see that as something you could run into and break suddenly, if the system isn't calibrated quite right. But there are also things that radar can do that LiDAR cannot, such as view objects through inclement weather, like heavy rain or fog. I could have done with this this week. We had, um, in the city that I'm in, I think some places had like, what was it, 45 mils of rain or something, or 54 or some crazy amount um, in about a two-day period. And one night I was driving home from work on my hour and a half commute through the hills, and I reckon visibility through the fog and rain was literally about one and a half meters in front of my car. And it was just like coloring inside the lines. Like I was just sticking to the edge of the road, like the the line on the edge of the road and gently turning my wheel when I saw the line start to curve and stuff. So um, to have something that can see through bad weather would be good. But even still, I just want to know why they're still calling it autopilot. Like, I just feel like that's dangerous and deceitful. And yeah, like you can fall asleep while it's on. Yeah, I call on Tesla. <laughs> Change the name of this feature. It is not actually autopilot yet. Until we can do what Will Smith does in I Am Legend, it's not autopilot. What does he do in I Am Legend? Like, the, the cars just literally drive themselves. Okay, yeah. I've seen that movie, but it was a long time ago. Wait, 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 wait. Not I Am Legend. Oh, gosh. I'm robot. robot. I Robot. <laughs> Did you say that, Tank? <laughs> I said, gets eaten by zombies? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I Robot. My okay, bad. I've seen both of those a long time ago. Next up, more on the Samsung Galaxy Note 7 recall news. It has been formalized through the CPSC. Even though Samsung had already promised to replace all devices, many people continue to use the devices despite warnings from Samsung and government agencies. There are now 92 reports of overheating in the U.S. and climbing, with 26 reports of burns and 55 reports of property damage. If you still hold out and continue to use your phone... Samsung will be capping your battery at some point with a software update that limits you uh, to 60% capacity of the, bo- uh, the battery. Seriously, if you have one of these things, you need to get it swapped out. Yeah, I'm not really surprised, to be honest. I mean, I, when I saw that this thing was like that they were exploding, I was like, well, recall's surely the, the obvious option, right? Tank, you don't have a Galaxy phone, right? No, I don't. What, what kind of phone do you have? You have Android, right? Yeah, it's Android. I it's um, OnePlus One. Oh, right. Okay. That's cool. Well, I guess they don't have battery issues. It's not an an- Android thing, though, right? It's a it's a Samsung thing. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Well, this is probably the worst PR stunt in the history of ever. <laughs> I guess it's not a study to do this intentionally, but I mean, it's really bad for PR. That's what I meant. What is that? Any news is... Good any, news? Any press is good press? Is that no, what it is? I don't, I don't think remember. So. That's what it is, but I don't think that's right. Nope, that's not true. <laughs> In this case, people are literally losing vehicles over this thing. Like the Florida man. Also this week, iOS 10 was made available with improvements galore to the operating system with updates and overhauls to a major number of the included apps in the operating system, as well as improvements to Siri and the lock screen. As of this update... Existing headphone jacks are still supported by the OS, so there's literally no good reason to delay updating. Unless you are 
in a missionary's house and they have limited Wi-Fi. (laughs) (laughs) True. I was laughing when you mentioned this because I had told the story to Michelle and I had forgotten what the story was about, yet I continued to tell the story. (laughs) (laughs) But someone someone downloaded iOS 10 in um, one of our resident missionaries' house that's paid by the... So Lottie Moon is the fundraising nice Christmas thing that... um, that funds a lot of IMB's work, and they fund the local missionaries who help out for the training. Anyway, someone downloaded iOS 10, and he said, and one of my friends <laughs> said to him, uh, Lottie Moon did not die starving on a boat after working in China so that you could download iOS 10 on her money. Oh. <laughs> oh. It, it was funny. <laughs> I guess it's not funny. I'm the only one left. <laughs> we can cut that story out. No, 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 no. We're not cutting that out. We're leaving that in. (laughs) Did you guys also see on the iOS 10 thing that uh, the images, the GIF search in messages that they put in is apparently not safe search? Ah. Yeah. It's like, they, you know, everybody does GIF search, implements GIF search on all their stuff, but you can change the like rating of the stuff that comes back, I guess. And um, they did not set a safe rating, I guess. So people are like finding all kinds of horrible things. They're being, they've been quickly removed, so I don't, I don't think that it's out there anymore. I don't know. You should not look if you're hearing this and you don't already uh, know about it. But yeah, that's what I heard, which also is kind of terrible on the PR front. What, all I want to know is, have they fixed Siri yet so that she actually works properly? Uh, probably not, because you don't sound like an English-American person. I know. It's the bane of my existence with Siri. <laughs> um, it's, it does say in the description of, I, of iOS 10... By the way, I'm glad they used the number and rather rather than the Roman numeral so we don't have to discuss whether it should be X or 10. Um, iOS X. <laughs> but it does say use the power of Siri in more apps than ever. I found like so often my wife will call um, when I'm on the way home from work and I want to answer the call. I've got a little Bluetooth button that I push to answer. Um, and then for some reason, my, it doesn't always go back to whatever I had open. So I've I've then tried to press the button and use Siri to open Pocket Casts. And do you think it can figure out that? Like it, it opens Pocket, and I'm like, no, Pocket Casts. So then I just say Casts, and then it it kind of opens it. But I want to be able to say open open Casts, play Apology Radio, or play Art of Redemption, and have it play the latest episode that I've got downloaded for that podcast. Do you reckon they'll ever it will ever get to that level of sophistication? Well, I think that's a Pocket Casts thing. I don't know if they have availability to do that at this point with Siri. But I guess like the big iOS 10 update to Siri is that six different kinds of apps can can take advantage of Siri. I don't know how specific it can get, though. But I would think if it's up to now Pocket Casts to implement that new API functionality. Yeah, fair enough. Whatever it is. I'd have to look into the specifics. But Cool. And finally this week... We talked about Uber's self-driving car initiative a month or so ago, but there's some new information, so let's talk about it again. (laughs) Uber gave some reporters a sneak peek at their fleet of self-driving cars, and there were some interesting observations. First, that this doesn't appear to be a bid to launch the first fully formed autonomous cars, but that this is a research exercise. Much like how Tesla gets good information for autopilot by, again, a, a poorly named feature, By getting information from lots of people using autopilot, 
the poorly named feature. This is a way for Uber to get good on-the-road data in a city that's pretty tough to drive in. As we said before, there are two people in the car, one in the driver's seat keeping hands and feet at the ready to take over, and one in the passenger seat taking copious notes. Uber's goal is to get rid of the person in the passenger seat in six months, then eventually get rid of the person in the driver's seat, leaving a call button to a remote center for the person being transported in case of emergency. This isn't an entrance into the mass market yet. This is Uber's collect a ton of on-street information stage. So my question is, should I use Uber in October when I go to Brisbane for this re-engage conference with Jeff Durbin and James White to get from the airport to the venue? Uh, the self-driving cars are only in Pittsburgh at this point, I think. Yeah, I know. But should I use the service in general? I've never used it yet, so I'm just asking, is it? Oh, yeah, sure. You could check it out. I mean, I've used it before. It's not weird or bad. So okay. I guess it depends on the driver you get, but... Yeah. I've only had good experience with it. Yeah, I mean, you hear the horror stories, but I've not had <laughs> had that much issue. I know. That's just, you know, every so often in Australia, you hear stories of... um so-and-so picked up by so-and-so in a car and taken out to the bush and murdered and left there. And, you know, it's I'm sure it's super rare, um, but maybe it doesn't happen in the US as often as it does here or something. Or maybe I'm just being paranoid because it's not a taxi company that has the same level of, I don't know. Do they, like, do they screen their drivers the same as any other taxi-type company does? Cab company, whatever you call it in America? Uh, I do not know. I feel like you have to get a background check. I'm pretty sure I saw that, but uh, I could be completely wrong. So. I just liked how you said, I feel like you have to get a background check. That's a thing probably, right? <laughs> you know, I just, that's just how I feel. I got to base everything off of my feelings. Anyway, I'll try it. I'll suck it up. I'll be fine. It'll be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I did have a lady one time basically get lost because she didn't know where she was going. Uh, this was on our honeymoon, actually. Um and Anna and I were like, okay, well, I'm not sure really what to do. I also don't know how you get lost because there's a map in front of you. It's got like Google Maps built into the app, so it's telling you where to go. But uh, yeah, I rated that one a one star because you like your your job is to get from point A to point B and you didn't do that. So that's a one star to me. Um, and then Uber contacted me and tried to give me a bunch of free stuff. So I guess that's good. I don't know. Oh, nice. One star drove me out to the bush. <laughs> I like it when companies do stuff like that. I had um we had an issue with booking.com. Do you guys know booking.com? Is that that's in America too, right? I think so. It's like accommodation booking. And we were going to Melbourne for a holiday and we um we booked accommodation and then the the manager of the accommodation emailed us like uh, a few weeks later, which was only like a week before we were meant to leave and said, "Oh, by the way, we're canceling your your booking because we've got basically they had friends coming to stay and they wanted them to stay in the apartment instead of us." Um, which is a bit dodgy. And so, cause we'd already, I think we'd already paid, um, and everything. And so they then, um, booking.com called us while we were on our way to Melbourne and said, Oh, we just realized that this has gone pear shaped. Um, you know, do you need us to find you somewhere else to stay? And I said, no, nah, that's all right. I've already sorted it. And they said, well, send us your bill and we'll pay the difference. Um, so essentially refund some of your, um, expenses, which was cool. It's good when companies try and do the right thing like that. Yeah. And that's all the tech you should know this week. If we left something out that you think we should have mentioned, email us at ask@techreformation.com. And for more hashtag TYSK throughout the week, follow us on Twitter at Tech Reformation.
now it's time for Tech You Should Use, the part of the show where we discuss some technology that's been helpful for us in hopes that it will be helpful for you. Um, so this week, I'm going to talk about an app called Journey. And I didn't guarantee that it was on iOS. I really <laughs> wanted to start singing Don't Stop Believing just then, but never mind. <laughs> That's it. all. That's all the app is. You just you just open it up and it starts playing random journey songs. Sweet. I'm downloading it right Great now for any occasion. <laughs> um, it it tries to figure out. Anyway, I'm gonna stop with this joke. Uh, <laughs> Can we put that in there? I'm gonna stop with this joke. <laughs> I was gonna say it like takes the atmosphere of the room and and then plays a song that's appropriate. Um, it looks like it's on Mac, but not iOS. Uh, okay. Which seems weird to me. Well, good. There, here's an Android-specific app because I feel like last week's show was too Apple-focused. <laughs> I didn't feel that way, but someone said it in the Slack. So. <laughs> hate is going to hate. Indeed. So anyway, so this app called Journey, it is a journaling app. And over random periods of my life, I've thought, hey, it would be a good idea to journal. And I feel like this is on iOS because it was recommended to me from a friend who, oh, wait, yeah. Anyway, it was recommended to me by a friend who I thought uses an iPhone. But anyway, so it's just a journaling app and you open it up and you uh, journal and it you can take a picture no way. of, yeah, <laughs> take a picture of like where you're at or if you've taken a picture that day, you, you put it in there and it just organizes it. You can have a calendar view and see all the times you've journaled and it has a picture of the picture you took and associated with it. Um, and I've never journaled well, but I've always thought it would be a cool idea to do just uh, just have like the top points of the day. So I'd say this day in history, I mean, some people have Facebook and that works for them, but um but my this day in history doesn't work on Facebook because I don't really post anything there. Uh, so I've just been recently trying to write like high point of the day, low point of the day, and how I saw God working or just like where was God in the day? I don't know. Aside from the obvious, like I breathed the whole day. I don't write <laughs> that. <laughs> but like uh, just what what however you uh, however that question's phrased i think i've phrased it differently almost every time i journal cuz i can't nail down a good way to phrase it but just something about god in the day um and so that's been my journaling uh journaling methodology recently using that app and it syncs it all so it will be there in case your phone falls in water um unlike paper which is doesn't sync automatically and if your house burns down then you lose all your journals that you'll probably never have read anyway but um but yeah, it's a great app. Any thoughts on it? Or other journaling apps? I've used day one, but I am never consistent, so I don't even have it installed anymore. Mm -hmm. I would want whatever my journaling app is to be on iOS. I feel like, I don't know, in case I want to use my iPad or something rather than just logging into a website all the time. Yeah, let's clear that up real quick. Is the website journey.cloudtank? I don't know. I've only searched journey in the play store so oh okay well journey app because it doesn't even come up in the yeah i forget to do that i apologize i should have uh figured this out no that's all right android people will be interested i don't know why you would have no worries well just because i know that a lot of our listeners are in or apple people so i should clarify um it's definitely all the good ones all the good listeners 
I'm kidding. Uh, Journey I'm kidding. Cloud, yes. Journey is definitely Journey.cloud is definitely the the website for the app. Then it is definitely not on uh, iOS. So that's tech you should use this week. Excellent. So if you're on Android, check out Journey. If you're not on Android, maybe day one will work for you. <laughs> that's the only other one I know that exists because Ben said it. The trouble with day one is once you've done day one, there's no motivation to keep going because you've completed <laughs> the whole purpose of the app. <laughs> if it was one day, maybe, then it was like, you know, taking it one day at a time. But day one is like, well, I've done day one. That's it. Maybe it should have the quote like when you open the app and it says, like, this day is the beginning of the rest of your life. And so it's like, it's day one again. Every day is day one. It sounds like Total ah, Recall. Yeah. yeah. That, I'm really glad that that's not true. <laughs> Imagine having to start over every day. It'd be like the um, Groundhog Day thing. Mm. But that's Imagine the same day over and over again. It'd be like 50 first dates where she forgets everything. Yeah, sorry, that's true. It would be more like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I went with the comedy and you went straight to the rom-com. So I don't know what that says about the two of us. But... <laughs> no, well played. And that's a wrap on Take Your Shoes. Okay, so that brings us into Theology from the Headlines, where we talk about a particular topic in detail and look at some of its implications for us as believers. And this week, we're going to talk about an article that I came across a couple of weeks ago on the ABC's website. That's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation or Commission, whatever it's called. Um, it's an opinion piece, which I generally don't trust very much as far as news goes, but it was I found it quite interesting. It's called... The Ethics of Digital Disruption, Why Are So Many Tech Companies Toxic Workplaces? Um, so from the outset, I just want to say we understand that not every tech company is a toxic workplace. Uh, I think we've all Mine's worked. Not. Yeah, exactly. We've all worked in tech companies. Some of us um, still are. Ben is at the moment. Um, I, I guess you could say Derek is. He, he installs solar, which is te- a kind of tech, but it's not technically a tech company because he doesn't program the solar. Um, you can't program the sun. Um, and so, yeah, you know, obviously there are workplaces out there that are great and um, run really well and um, and whatever. And Ben's company sounds like it's that way. And so was the one that I previously worked for. And, um, you know, lots of people talk about uh, places like Google and, you know, the fact that they build in rest breaks and um, allow their, their employees benefits and all sorts of things in the workplace to sort of motivate them. Um, so I don't want to get too far into singling out specific companies, although there are a couple of companies mentioned in the article. Um, but I guess basic the basic premise is it starts off um, talking about the fact that um, ordinary people when doing their jobs um, and without any particular hostility uh, can become agents in a destructive process. Um, basically going with the idea of um, if, if people are under authority and they're asked to carry out actions that are incompatible with fundamental standards of morality. It's actually, there's an experiment that says that relatively few people in that situation 
um, will have the resources needed to resist that authority and to, to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. So it's the same thing that we see in schoolyard bullying where people just join in because everyone else is doing it. Um, so it goes from talking about that to talking about the, this whole idea of digital disruption and the fact that a lot of the advancements in tech come out of um, an attitude of um, entrepreneurship and uh, wanting to mess with um, new and exciting ways of doing things. So challenging, undermining, subverting, and replacing the old ways of doing things with the new ways. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing to challenge existing um, platforms and, and ways things are done. Uh, but I guess that leads, they argue then that that leads to a mentality of um, basically doing whatever it takes to get to that point, to be the one who breaks through with the new technology and then to keep yourself at that uh, level. Um, so I guess the first question is, what do you guys think about that? Have you experienced that? Would you agree that, that that's seems to be a, a driving mentality behind the tech industry, that it's um, that digital disruption um, theory, I guess, could be or is linked to um, certain behavior patterns that seem fairly prevalent? I definitely think the goal is disruption and that we've sort of engendered that uh, culture or business model, like certainly with startup culture and things, because you're trying to do something that nobody's done before so that you can charge more money for it or charge money for it period. And so that you can sustain the business. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, we, I would love to assert or assume that every tech company is in it to make the world a better place. I just don't think that's realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that probably is a lot of people's motives, which is great, but still, even if that's your motive, the goal probably is still at some level to disrupt what's currently being done so that you can make the world a better place. Because the assumption is the world could be better, and it's not because someone's not doing X, which I'll build a company around. Right? Yep. So, were you saying, though, that that desire to disrupt the world creates or at least lends itself to the desire to have a toxic workplace environment? Or were you just asking if we see the tech industry has a desire to disrupt mm, good question. the way things are going. Um, yeah, so I think the I think we'd all agree on the latter, that the tech okay, industry, it, like Ben said, a lot of uh, tech developments come about because of disruption and therefore um, disruption is not necessarily a bad thing. It is part of making the world better and improving on the old. Um, and so, yes, I think that... I think what your second, the thing you raised as a second point tank is a given. Um, mm -hmm. So it's more the first point. Like, do, do you think the fact that, um, that the, I guess the driving force at the top level, so workers in the company, uh, I think it's easy to just feel for them like they're just working towards improving something or um, making consumers' lives better by making a task easier or whatever it is. Um, but it's more about looking at the people who run the companies and create the culture um, and does does this idea of continual disruption and having to um, continually be subverting the old things and making room for new things lead to a culture in which people in those companies are treated a little bit like the old ideas and, and people are kind of squashed and trampled or um, kicked to the side if it's going to help the leader get to a higher position with their company or get their company to a, a greater position in the tech space. I 
I mean, I don't have any clear research on this, of course, but uh, I just feel like that's been something we've heard about forever, that there's companies out there who just treat their employees like a number and expect them to work insane hours and promotion is based on fickle things and there's company politics and people have terrible work experiences. Um, And then there's great companies um, that, like you mentioned, Google. So uh, I don't so much, I've never seen it at least as a product of what the company is trying to accomplish, but more the culture instituted by the leadership that doesn't care for people. It cares about profits and accomplishments. And so I guess if a company were to look and say, all I care about is disrupting the the place so that I can make more money, then that company will have one that is bad. But if they say, I want to disrupt the, the technology world um, and I want to do it as a team where we're all working towards that goal and we're serving each other well, then then it'll be a good culture. So I don't, I don't see, I feel like it's been, uh, been happening for, both have been happening forever, good companies and bad companies. And it's not just dependent on the tech world, but that's what I see. Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I would. I, I think that's, uh, that's great. I think you're probably right that it's something that's been around for a long time. I don't have any stats on it either, obviously. But I mean, you do hear stories like all the time about, especially the big companies. I don't, it's probably more hidden in the smaller companies because there's less interest, maybe. Um, maybe it's not, depending on who you are. But like I'm thinking, even this week, I think, um, Apple had something come out that said, you know, they've been, they posted a, a sort of a marketing site, if you will, or a marketing page on their website uh, about, you know, diversity and inclusion in the company being really important to them with some open statistics and saying that, you know, um, we're not where we want to be, but, but we do want to be in a better spot than we are. And so we're trying to be open about where we're at and, and the fact that we want to get better. And then after they did that very positive move, it seems, they had some news come out this week that the com- company culture is actually very toxic and sexist and, um, it's just difficult to work there being a woman. Um, and then I'm thinking about even a couple months ago, um, maybe a year ago at this point, I don't remember, you had that sort of hit piece on Amazon, um, where it's just a crippling company to work at was what was being said. Again, I don't know if this is true or not, but you certainly hear about it all the time to Tank's point. Um, and I guess we obviously don't want it to be the case, but the fact is the world is the world and, um, people's motives probably drive most the way that they, they act. Yeah. One potential idea for what could make tech companies specifically be in the limelight is that everyone knows tech companies. Like everyone knows what Amazon is and everyone knows the big name companies. Um, because those companies are tech companies are often geared specifically towards consumers. So like in that specific article, you look at them and they're all companies that I know specifically. Mm. Um, and that's more geared towards tech. So I think those are more likely to be in the limelight. Um, because, and those are also companies since they're well known. Um, I guess people are going to want to be joining as a career move. Like, yeah, I worked at such and such company. Look at me go. And so they're more willing to be in a toxic work environment. So those are some possibilities. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more visibility with at the consumer level for sure because of what you just said. 
I think that's all true. I think, and this isn't pushback as such, but I, I, I think the reason that I saw some validity in, in what the article is trying to say is probably because of the fact that tech, uh, the tech industry changes more than other industri- industries, or at least quicker than other industries. So, if you're working in finance or um, administration or um, construction or something like that. Sure, there's going to be new trends and developments um, that come along and different ways of doing things to improve the end product. But ultimately, um, if you're building a building, you're still building a building. Um, if you are, uh, you know, working in an administrative capacity, um, you know, helping people manage their businesses or their finances or something, then again, you, you know, you're working in fairly similar principles uh, all the time and consistently applying what works. Um, albeit in slightly different situations for different clients, um, whereas the tech space is is all about this. I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like this strange thing that just kind of evolves, but it is it is something that has change built into it intentionally and on a frequent basis. And therefore, I think um, the article is sort of saying that you end up with people who almost feel the need in themselves to force that change or push that change constantly. Uh, and that's where they sort of end up trampling on the people under them if those people aren't, um, if they feel they're not able to come along for the ride or make the change happen quick enough and all those kinds of things, which is where, like Tank said, you end up getting people who claim that they've worked crazy hours and um, not had any kind of life outside of, of the big tech company. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can... I can definitely see that. Um, that's that's fair, uh, and that can be what could drive a tech workplace. One thing that I'm thinking um, is like, if you can build one building, you can build five buildings. And so, instead of trying to do re- revolutionize the way you build buildings, you just increase the way to build buildings to increase profit. And so like you can always, companies can always try to increase profit to make their play. And that ultimately may make, um, may make the workplace toxic. And so maybe, maybe tech's way of increasing profit is to stay ahead of the game. And so that's where this change that you're talking about, um, this desire to stay ahead of the game and revolutionize, that's where, they want their employees to work harder to stay ahead of the game, which ultimately leads in more profit in the tech world space. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I can definitely see tech toxic tech companies, and I think what you're what you're describing is definitely a big reason for why they become toxic. Feels like part of it. There's a lot of pressure too to to perform or to outdo what you did last year. I mean, just think about you know last week the iPhone event. Um, there's all this pressure to, to do something great. And the next big thing is kind of the marketing push these days from like companies like Samsung. And you even see commercials around that. And it, it sort of stokes the fire of our, um, restlessness in pretty much everything. I mean, we, we're just kind of waiting until the next, I mean, I was even thinking earlier today in my own life, like, I was hearing somebody on a podcast talk about, oh, the, the iPhone next year, it's the 10-year anniversary, and kind of like we talked about last last week, um, you know, they're going to do something really crazy, it'll be a brand new form factor or whatever. And I was even thinking in my own, you know, in my own self, like, 
Oh, that's, that's really cool. I'm excited for that. And I think we can take it to such an extreme and bad, even sinful degree where, um, we're looking forward to that so much more that we're not content in the present moment anymore. Um, that, that if we don't have that, we sort of can't live without it. And I feel like that definitely plays into a toxic company culture as well, because that, that boils down into every day, day to day, my deadlines and my deliverables. Um, you know, even as a developer, I, I don't experience that at my current job, but I could see definitely how someone could, um, given the stress of the market on those, those particular companies. Mm. Yep. I think in terms of, I mean, we'll move on from talking about, um, this a little bit to talk about, um, where the article sort of heads with once it's kind of established this idea of toxic tech workplaces. Um, but I'd encourage people to read the article. There's a couple of really, um, I don't know, quite, quite serious allegations, I guess, towards some of the bigger tech companies in terms of cultures of manipulation, intimidation, threats. Um, one lady apparently had a stillborn child and then was told she, she said she ended up saying she just experienced the most devastating event in her life. Mm. Only to be told her performance would be monitored to make sure her focus stayed on her job. Um, mm. so if that's how that was actually phrased in that situation soon after that experience in her life, then, um, that's, that's a fairly clear example of, um, not caring about the person, only caring about the, uh, advancement of the company and, and making sure that the company can keep, um, doing what it's trying to do. And let's, let's be clear. Like it's, it is important for companies to be able to do what they, what their goal is. Um, it's important for companies to be able to, um, trust their employees and, and, um, but not at the expense of the well being, but their not employees. at the expense of the well being of the individual. Yeah. 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 We would absolutely abhor that. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Because we believe that every, every single individual in those companies is made in the image of God and has dignity and worth. And therefore, um, it's not okay to trample, trample those people, um, to, um, achieve some business goal. Um, so there does need to be, um, care and attention paid on the part of the, leaders of the company to actually not just not be mean to their workers, but to actually look after and care for their workers um, in some way. So, yeah, I agree. We would definitely um, not not be okay with uh, any of those ways of doing things. So then um, the article kind of moves from establishing that premise to basically talking about the fact that um, that in Techland, a, a particular breed of leader seems to be the order of the day, the super aggressive techno prisoners, hyper competitive A type personality. Um, and so, under those people, stress levels rise um, and biological fight or flight responses kick in. So, um, I'm quoting the article now staff focus on self preservation, co workers become less empathetic and less helpful. Um, the culture turns poisonous and ethical standards leave the building along with many of the staff. Um, and it just becomes like a big uh, pecking order, basically. Um, and they basically then argue that this stems from a particular worldview. Um, so on this show, obviously, we talk um, from a Christian worldview and in particular a Reformed um, Christian worldview. Um, and the worldview they're talking about here is Ayn Rand's um, – Ayn or Ayn? I don't know. A-Y-N. <laughs> uh, objectivism. So basically, uh, greed is good. Altruism is evil, so looking out for other people is evil. Um, objectivists believe rationality is the highest form of morality, um, and therefore, because it's rational to be self-interested and look after yourself, 
Um, selfishness is a mark of high ethics um, in their worldview. So winners deserve to be winners because they're winners in this life is basically how they would look at it. And anyone else who's not a winner deserves to have anything happen to them that needs to happen to help the winners win. Um, so what do you guys think about that from a worldview perspective? It's the logical conclusion of Darwinistic evolution. Yeah, yeah. At least at a, a sociological, philosophical level. Yeah. Why do you say that? Like well, I mean, if strong survive, then, um, you know, it's in my... Survival is, is my ultimate goal. It's in my best interest. And so, um, it doesn't really matter what I do to anyone else or... I mean, at a level, it doesn't... <laughs> nothing about anyone else matters to me because I want to survive and I'll do whatever it means to be the strongest in order to do so. Right? I mean, that's sort of the base level. I, I, like, it's kind of funny. You linked a YouTube video, sent it over to us uh, to watch. It's just a two minute explainer on what objectivism is, which I found helpful, but I also found very confusing because <laughs> at one point they tried to describe the self-interestedness that, that we're talking about here and included looking out for others in part of it. And I was like, that just makes no sense at all. Yeah. I mean, if it's not in my interest to look out for others, why would I look out for others? By definition, you know what I mean? Like, mm. and certainly you could argue that there are times when it is in my best interest to look out for others, but you definitely also can argue that it's not always, uh, you know, I mean, buying a meal for a homeless person is not always in my best interest because I'm spending my own money and I'm getting nothing in return. So I don't know why an objectivist would do such a thing. Well, you're getting a heavenly reward, maybe. <laughs> well, not not according to Ayn Rand. No, I know, not according to Ayn Rand. I mean, the the video, the same video concludes with her saying, "If you knew this life was the only one that there is, wouldn't you make the most of it?" Mm. So, I mean, she's not looking forward to heaven or anything that comes after this life. No, that's true. And that 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 I think the funny thing about that video was, you're right. It it put up certain words on the screen. Um, the first one was reason, and it said that reason in objectivist um, worldview. Reason is all that we have. It's the only thing we have to go by. Um, it's, reason is what determines everything. And so, we would instantly argue against that and say, um, particularly for, uh, as presuppositionalists, that um, without the Bible, without God's word and God's standard for um, how we should live, then um, our reason doesn't even make sense of us, can't even make sense of itself. Um, let alone be something that is positive for us or for other people. Um, but then the next one it went to was self-interest, which so this article is calling it selfishness. Um, and and the video called it self-interest, which I don't see much difference. Um, self-interest, you could maybe argue, is leading towards narcissism rather than just um, wanting things for yourself. But at the end of the day, they're both um, focused on the individual and not on the other. Um, and so I think you're right. Like it's it's not actually a healthy thing, um, even in a um, you know even in a uh, materialist naturalist naturalistic materialist worldview. It's still um, like you said. There are times when looking out for other people um, is of benefit, but ultimately, if you have if you take this as your philosophy, then you would be willing to squash anything that's that's underneath you. Um, which from a Christian perspective is just not, like we said before, is not okay. Um, Tank, do you have any thoughts on that before we say anything else? 
Yeah, one thought I was thinking was, you know, the height of foolishness would be to die for somebody else. Like if it, if self-interest is all we have and and this life is all we have and then we have no reason to serve others. And maybe we could see like how helping someone, they might help you in return so it's in your self-interest. But the height of foolishness would be to die for somebody else. And that just makes me think of like Romans 5, like that one would scarcely die for a righteous person, although for someone who's good, they might die. But God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's like, not only did Christ die for us, that which would be the height of foolishness in this worldview, he died for his enemies while we were still sinners. And so it's even, it's even harder for that worldview to grasp. And I just think that's like whenever... The wor- it shows that the world sees us as fools. Um, you can see how objectivist people would definitely see us like the height of foolishness. Mm. I was thinking about just right in along with what you're saying, Tank, and I totally agree. Um, I was thinking about just the contrast between foolishness and wisdom. Um, and like kind of what Paul does in First Corinthians, where he's talking about God using uh, foolishness of the world to shame the wise, you know? And like, that sounds exactly like what you're describing, that someone, that God himself would enter into his own creation, uh, take on humanity and all the suffering that comes with it as a result, and then not only that, but go to the cross and die for uh, people who don't deserve it. it. Like that, to me, from an Ayn Rand perspective or from an objectivist perspective is complete and utter foolishness, right? And yet that's exactly what God does in order to, um, I mean, just put, flip the whole categories of foolishness and wisdom on their head. I was also thinking about, you know, I think about self-interest and I feel like that's maybe one of the better definitions of what sin is that, um, in my nature, I'm bent towards what's best for me. Like, I'm bent towards selfishness by nature. And so when you're describing this objectivist worldview to a non-Christian, like, it makes perfect sense. That sounds great. Um, and yet, the scripture has the exact opposite to say about what's good and true. Um, you know, and I think one check I like to use in doing philosophy or theology is, does this sound good to my nature? Uh, and if it does, like, that should at least raise some sort of red flag. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong, but but it certainly should raise a red flag. And I can't think of something other than ultimate self-interestness that sounds better to my nature, um, my sinful nature. So, Yeah, I think um, I, I was just looking at the video again. Uh, we'll link the video in the show notes as well so that people can watch it. But if you're watching it, please realize that we don't advocate for what the video <laughs> The video does end up trying to pose all of this as a good uh, way to look at the world, and we obviously are disagreeing with that. It does use the word selfishness on the screen as one of the topic headings. It's just in the mm-hmm. in the description that says self-interest. So those things might be interchangeable, um, but I think what you guys said there um, makes a lot of sense uh, and is true. And I th- I, th- I like Tank's um, line of reasoning, and I was thinking of the same verse you were from Corinthians, Ben. Um, just to expand on that, um, again, like Tank mentioned, you know, it would seem foolishness what Jesus did in, in coming to earth and um, and doing what he did to, to die for um, God's chosen people um, would seem like foolishness. It seems like on all three tenets of objectivism, Jesus personified the exact opposite or, or at least an opposite that, that um, should inform how we live as Christians. So he took, his, you know, when he was reasoning with people, 
he was using, like I said before, he was using scripture. He used um, God's standard. He used the perfect standard um, in terms of, um, you know, when he was tempted by Satan in the desert and all those kinds of um, situations, he always had truth to speak. Um, but it wasn't just truth for truth's sake, if that makes sense. It, it was a truth that had power behind it because it was um, coming from from God as the source. Um, in terms of selfishness, obviously Jesus giving up his, um, laying down his life, sorry, um, is an act of selflessness. Um, is, you know, Jesus came. The greatest act of selflessness. Yeah. And so, you know, um, obviously, you know, he came as a lamb to the slaughter. Um, you know, there was Isaiah 53 says there was nothing sort of beautiful that draw us, drew us to him in terms of his looks or anything. And then he uh, was willing to go to the cross uh, for, for us. So um, completely the opposite of selfishness. And then the, the last um, tenet, I guess, of objectivism in the video that they argue is an outcome is that it gives you purpose in life. Somehow they reason that um, having good, solid reasoning and your own brain is the final arbiter of everything mixed with selfishness gives you purpose. Um, and I think what Jesus demonstrates um, is that in his earthly life and ministry and work um, and death and resurrection, um, he he knew he had purpose and he knew what his purpose in, in that was. Um, and he deferred to the will of his father. He, you know, he said that he'd come to do um, what his, his father had sent him to do. He fulfilled that perfectly, um, but in doing that, he built others up rather than tearing them down. So all the way along Jesus' ministry, um, we see a purpose that is leading towards a, an ultimate point um, in the cross and the resurrection. Um, but throughout his ministry that leads up to that point, and then even afterwards when he meets with the disciples, um, it's it's a process of building people up. It's not like his purpose becomes this um, self-focusing mission where everyone else just falls by the wayside or gets trampled under his feet so he can achieve the cross. Um, his ministry is one that um, that does look out for, for other people and look out for the interests of others um, all the way along. Um, and so I think uh, that's something that we obviously... Um, can learn from and look at his example and say, you know, there are there are things that are all, all all three points, I guess, along the tenets of materialism that um, that the life of Jesus clearly speaks against. All right. Well, do you guys have any recos this week? I'm going to record the Art of Redemption podcast. They are another uh, Theology Mix Network podcast. And um, I've been listening to their series on The Watchmen, um, as in the graphic novel and the movie. Um, don't advocate any of the um, morality or worldviews in the book or the movie, but they do a really good job of um, sort of pulling that apart and explaining um, the difference behind the, the worldviews that are portrayed in a bunch of the characters. Um, and, yeah, so check it out. Those guys do a really good job. Well, I do want to recommend one thing. Um, 16personalities.com is the recommendation. Um, and it is essentially a free Myers-Briggs uh, personality test. Um, so those those things tend to cost uh, sometimes a lot. But this one is free, um, and it's the same sort of 16 personality system where you have 
uh, two categories, uh, or sorry, four sets of two categories. So extrovert, introvert, um, sensor, intuitive, thinker, feeler, and then judger, perceiver. And uh, your combination of what you get on those four categories tells you what your personality is. Uh, it takes like 10 to 12 minutes. I mean, it's not long at all. Um, and at the end, they give you an explanation of what uh, your type of personality is. And I was reading mine this week. I heard about this on another podcast uh, as being a good thing for teams to do, because uh, if we know each other better, we can work together better. Um, and just send it over to some friends and my teammates at work uh, and just other folks and have found it to be really useful. Um, I've done Myers-Briggs before. This one has, I think, better explanations and fun little illustrations. It also tells you when you get a personality type, um, other famous people or people you might know who are the same personality type. Um, interestingly enough, one of mine was Steve Jobs, so that's kind of funny. Uh, and I was just kind of laughing over that this week. You A-type tech personality, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very relevant to this episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. Um, and hopefully helpful as I was reading the description of, of what I'm like, I was like, holy cow, they're watching me. Like they have cameras on me. This is crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I found it helpful and have found it helpful in getting to know others. So just thought I'd recommend that again, it's 16 personalities.com. And I want you guys to take it whenever you have time and tell me which one you are. I have taken that test. Oh, nice. From that website as well. Nice. Which one were you? Yeah. Or I am you? an INFJ, the advocate. Oh, neat. And I like I really liked that uh I really liked the first sentence of it. It uh stroked my ego, so I'm going to have to <laughs> <laughs> says this type is very rare, making up less than one percent of the population. <laughs> it's like, yes, I'm rare. I'm weird. Oh yeah, one of my friends at work is, I always is knew this one. it. <laughs> Wait, there's others? <laughs> there can be only one. Um, this is going to turn into the new Highlander. <laughs> no. I could definitely see that in you, Tank. I'll tell you no as well. I haven't done that one. I've done it ages ago, and I can't remember. Um, I th- I think it came out as ESTJ or something, but that, no, nah, that can't be right. That must be my... We took it as a family around the dinner table one night with my when I was still living with my parents. And if you would like to connect with us, you can do so by jumping in our Slack team Sign up at slack.techreformation.com, and it's free. You can also visit our website at techreformation.com to search for past shows and topics. Just use the tags to find things that are interesting to you. We're also part of the Theology Mix Network. Check out their website at theologymix.com. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I thought all that was going to go in there. Oh, all that was going to go in there. Okay. We'll (laughs) cut out the part where I say back to the show. (laughs) Derek, have mercy on us. (laughs) Have mercy on my show. Play on words from like soul, but... (laughs)